Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grace-Filled Podcast. I'm Riley Grace, a sophomore at Duke University studying biomedical engineering. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. I love volleyball, food, and people. But the most important thing about me is my relationship with Jesus Christ, and he has never left me alone. just how much I love stories. Like if you'll just tell me a good or funny story, like I'm yours, whatever you need, just tell me a funny story. (laughs) Stories are captivating. They're fun. They connect people. They can explain things in ways other forms of communication just can't. So I looked up best quotes about stories and I found a poet named Margaret Atwood who once said, you're never going to kill storytelling because it's built into the human plan. We come with it. We are literally designed for storytelling. It's the thing that gets us going and moves us to emotion and to action. And it has the capacity to reflect some of the greatest truths. So the more I think about stories, the more I realize that stories are at the crux of everything. Our lives are a series of a million stories. History is just one story with billions of characters. But most importantly, the Bible is one story all about one main character, the greatest, truest story that changed the course of history for all eternity. A story that in fact reveals the radical love and grace of our Heavenly Father. So I realized that's probably why I like stories so much. God literally ingrained the love of stories into our souls. So when I look back on my life, so many of the stories reflect the nature and goodness and faithfulness of God. And looking back, I can see the way he was working. And to be honest with you, as I've grown up, what blows my mind the most is that every Christian I've ever talked to, when you hear their stories, you always see the moments where God came through and turned their situation around in perfect timing. They're always like, yeah. And then right here, this is when God came through when I wasn't even expecting it. And he came through and made the most of the situation and turned it around for good. And so during their tough times, he's always there strengthening them, sustaining them, In Jeremiah 31, 2, it says, Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. So all of that to say, I figured I love people. I know a lot of them and all of them have captivating stories to tell. So why not make up an excuse like a podcast or something and just sit and listen to them tell their stories. And together we can discover the ways God has moved in mighty ways in their life. So my hope for this podcast is that if you're not a Christian, you would see the evidence of a good, loving, heavenly father working in the minutia of so many different people's lives. Again, I want you to know that you are never alone because there is a God who is pursuing your heart, a God that can give you grace in your wilderness. And when you hear these stories of other people who experience grace in their wilderness, you would be encouraged that there is a good, loving God who is looking out for you and that you would keep fighting until you experience that same grace and make it through your tough stories. And if you are a Christian, I want you to be reminded of the goodness and power of the God who saved us. And overall, I just, I hope the words you hear would make you smile through the funny stories that you would feel encouraged. And along the way, I hope you're entertained because I have some incredible friends with some crazy stories. They've done some really awesome things, but they're also hilarious and keep me laughing. So I hope you can also get to laugh as you listen because I absolutely love laughing. So I'm very excited to also laugh. (laughs) So today I thought I would share some of my stories. You can get to know me better and get the feel for this podcast. 
But first, I want to share the greatest story ever told, ever told that I mentioned earlier, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has changed my life and the lives of so many around the world. And the more I remind myself of it, the more I'm humbled and reminded that it is really not about me. It is about a good and perfect God who made a way to save the world. So here we go. In Genesis 1, it tells of how God created the beginning. He spoke and light burst forth. He designed the universe perfectly. He created the Garden of Eden and placed the first humans, Adam and Eve, into this paradise he created, a place where they could literally walk and talk with him, their God, daily in a personal, intimate relationship. But out of the four hordes of food they could choose from, there existed one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one tree God prohibited them from partaking in. I mean, after all, for love to be love, there has to be a choice. God couldn't just force them to love him. That just wouldn't be love. And so Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent, the enemy of this and, in fact, every story. And just like we fall short every day, Adam and Eve chose to eat of the fruit. And right then and there, in Genesis chapter 3, sin entered the world. So just a side note, as I understand it, for God to be good and just, evil cannot exist in his presence. And because they did the one thing he asked them not to do, the dirty creation and the presence of a holy good God, he should have killed them instantly. But instead, he had grace for them and instead just banished them from the garden. But he did not leave them there alone. He had a rescue plan. And we see it in Genesis chapter three. He literally says that the serpent, he tells the serpent that um, one day a virgin will conceive and her offspring basically will bruise his head. He might bruise his heel, but the offspring will bruise his head. And so that, ladies and gentlemen, is a reflection of the gospel. And in the beginning, in Genesis 3, God is saying, I have a rescue plan and these people are going to be saved because I love them. And so the rest of the Bible is this plan unfolding into one beautiful story that tells of this same God sending his son, God in the flesh, and being born into this world as a humble, vulnerable baby living a perfect life. And spoiler alert, he's the only one who's ever done that. And then the really the story t- really took a turn. He was betrayed by the very people he came to save, and he was hung on a cross, dying the most brutal form of death this world had known. I mean, literally, like, this form of death, crucifixion, was created by the Romans to be the most painful and torturous form of punishment. And Jesus did it, and he took on the sins of the whole world. And for the first time in his life, his father turned his face away. And Jesus experienced the real horror of sin, the separation from a loving, perfect God. But the story doesn't end there, ladies and gentlemen. Three days later, his power on ultimate display, he rose from the grave and defeated death and sin forever. And the most beautiful part of all, the point of this entire story, is that God loved us so much that he planned and executed all of that over a couple thousand years, all so that his creation could repent of their sin, simply believe in what Jesus did for them, And we would instantly become children of God, given the righteousness that Christ had so that we can be in a completely restored relationship with the God who loved us that much. And just to make it come alive a little bit more, I heard a sermon once on this very phenomena. The pastor was explaining how as a kid, he would take his little tricycle and he would like violently ride it over these lines of ants that would form in his backyard. And he said, looking back, like someone should have worn ants, like let them know that they're about to die. But he thought about it and realized that it would be impossible to warn them, not just because ants don't understand English, but because even if they did, why in the world would they believe some giant in the sky yelling at them to get out of the way? 
I mean, if I were those ants, I'd be like, um, what if you're telling me what you're telling me is actually going to keep me from something awesome? Like, how do I know sugar isn't flowing from the sky or something? But the point is, there's no way for them to trust you unless you get on their level and become their size. And guys, this is literally the gospel. God came down to get on our level. But yet he didn't come as this magnificent king. He came as a short, the Bible says, unattractive baby born in a stable who lived a life as like a carpenter and who served other people, died a death that we deserved so that we could get out of the way of the ultimate consequence for our sin. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the ultimate story that everything else should flow from. So. Now that the bar is extremely high, I guess I could share some of my life stories. So I think the first biggest story in my life was when I was two years old. There I was sitting in the back seat of a Ford F-150. We're cruising at about 15 miles an hour around the neighborhood. I was a curious little two-year-old. And the last thing I remember was looking at the door handle and thinking, hmm, I wonder what would happen if I opened that. The next thing my parents knew, I was lying on the ground, thighs underneath the back tire of the vehicle. My dad, like, literally had to put the truck in reverse and roll off of my tiny legs. So during the panic, my mom picked me up off of the ground, expecting to see her daughter lifeless and mangled. But God, my story was just beginning. With a 5,000-pound truck on a 25-pound child, I literally should have been paralyzed for life. But God, I had zero broken bones. Zero. Like, we can go back and check the doctor's report. Like, zero broken bones. And when they pulled me from the ground, the skin on my forehead was completely removed. The doctor told us that there'd probably be scarring over my entire forehead for the rest of my life. But God finishes what he starts and I remain scarless. I truly believe an angel caught me that day and it has become a theme for my life, actually. God carries me through the life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. C.S. Lewis, an atheist turned theologian, once wrote, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. We all know it. Suffering exists. It's painful. It doesn't make sense. The problem with suffering is the reason so many people cite for not believing in God. They don't understand how there can be a good, loving God while evil exists. And honestly, I've questioned this myself. But let me tell you some things I've learned over the years. First, if God is perfectly good and loving, he isn't going to force us to love him. Like I mentioned earlier, that wouldn't be love. That would be a dictatorship. Therefore, there had to be a choice. He created us, yet gave us a choice to love him or not. How gracious. I mean, if I were creating people, I would probably force them to love me because I want to be loved. But no, God gave us a choice to love him or not. But when we obviously chose the wrong choice, sin entered this world. But there is hope. Our God created a rescue plan. And in the grand scheme of eternity, this life here is but a millisecond. And he uses the bad, what the devil meant for evil, and turns it into good. He uses the bad to draw people to himself so that they can spend eternity by his side in perfect relationship with him. But the best part of it is he just—he doesn't just allow the suffering to occur and watch from the sidelines like the clockmaker phenomenon that people cite. But he meets you in it. He carries you through it. Because as, his, as is singular to Christianity, he came down to experience earth, experience our sufferings, and he suffered too. As we serve a God who actually understands pain, in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In the Bible, God calls himself a comforter, a refuge. And this is the Jesus I know. And this is why I so badly want to tell you about him. 
So the name of this podcast is Grace Filled. And my middle name is Grace, but that's not the point. Um, but it was something that I think God just kind of brought to mind the title as I was praying about this last summer. But I realized, as he usually does, he gave me a very explicit story and representation of grace way back in middle school. So a semi-well-known fact about me is that I have type 1 diabetes. This means I have to track my blood sugar like every minute of every day, administer medicine when I eat, and basically make lots of decisions every day to keep myself alive. Most days are okay, but sometimes at night there's some really scary moments. So growing up all through middle and high school, I had lots of low blood sugars in the middle of the night, which meant like sucking down juice boxes while I was shaking at 2 a.m., waiting for it to return to a healthy level before I could go back to sleep. So one day... In seventh grade, I had just had one of those nights and I went to school exhausted from the sleep deprivation, still trying to get my body and blood sugars back on track. I was feeling like so defeated, so alone. On the outside, I seemed my usual self, but as the case usually is, it was just a mask. So I went to a Christian school and that day we had chapel. A guest speaker had come and he had chosen the topic of, drumroll please, grace. How fitting. I was somewhere in the back trying to listen, but mostly just fighting the exhaustion. You know, like when your eyes, you're like trying to pry your eyes open and Loki's kind of painful, like trying to keep your eyes open. Anyway, that was me in the back of the chapel. And the speaker decided to illustrate the wonder of God's grace, the way he so generously gives it to undeserving people. So he pulled out a $10 bill out of his wallet and started to scan the audience. And all of a sudden his finger pointed at me. And I looked around thinking like, you know, maybe he meant someone behind me, but turns out after I mumbled an awkward me, the money was sent my direction. Guys, I was absolutely dumbfounded. Like I'm rarely chosen when I raise my hand, let alone like sitting in the back of a room full of students, all eagerly desiring this free money. And then if that didn't prove his point enough, he hit it home by sending another $10 bill my way, proving the radical love and abundant grace of God. Guys, I went home that day ecstatic. Like, I'm 20 bucks richer. Like, that's a lot for a seventh grader. And as I told my family, God used my mom to illustrate the real point of the day. One, God had shown me that day that he had seen me. Out of a world full of people, a room full of students, he saw me. He saw my pain, my exhaustion, my loneliness, my struggle. He knew what I was feeling and he wanted to display that he really did see me. So that day, my eyes were open to the profound truth of God's grace, his presence and the depth of his love for me amidst my wilderness. He wasn't simply a God who just created the world and left it to spin on its own. Not just a God who orchestrated salvation for some people who find him, but guys, he is a God who pursues souls, who works directly and evidently in the lives of his children, a God who so desperately wants your heart. He is a God working in our midst, going before and preparing the way. Not just a God who wants to save you, then pat himself on the back and move on to his next project, but he is a God who wants to walk with you through the good, the bad, and the ugly. He wants to sit with you while you process your doubts, walk with you through your joys and victories, and carry you through your anger, depression, pain. He doesn't want to save your heart and move on. He wants to live within you and have an intimate relationship with you. And once you accept the free gift of his grace, you will never be alone. And this, this is the most beautiful part of the Christian journey. This constant presence of a good, loving, perfect God who is your savior, your father, and your friend. And no matter what you go through, he's right there. Just one heart whisper away. So my prayer for this podcast is to illustrate to you through my personal experience, the experiences of people I know, the tangible evidence of this God. I want you to like see his goodness and his faithfulness in every season. I want to open your eyes to the reality that everyone can have. 
me and all the future people on this podcast truly are nothing special. We're just simply kids walking through this life, trying to fix our eyes on Jesus and let him lead us through the craziness of this world. This life is hard. We all know it. And accepting Christ doesn't just wash away worry and struggle, but it guarantees a joyful, fulfilled life, a life where the God who saved you bounds through the meadow on the mountaintops with you and carries you through the raging river rapids in the valley. One who, quote, knows the plan he has for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. A God who wants to welcome you with arms open wide and the words, well done, my good and faithful servant, when your race on earth is finished. He just doesn't just want you for the 80 or years or so that you spend on this fallen earth. He wants to wipe away every tear from your eyes and dwell with you for eternity. Again, he wants relationship. How beautiful is that? I don't know any other religion where you get to have a personal relationship with the God who saved you. Revelation 21, one through four says, he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither there shall shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. So that is the point of this podcast, that you would be inspired by the crazy cool stories my friends will tell, that you would realize that, hey, you are not the only person with struggles and anxieties and fears and doubts, but there is hope. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and that you would see the incredible ways that God has shown up for me and the guests on this podcast and that you would be encouraged that he will show up for you too and lead you and guide you into abundance. And lastly, I just want to say, if you're in high school, so many people like to tell you that colleges are going to take away your faith and your professors are going to make you turn away from the gospel and nobody is actually following Jesus. Um, okay, I'm here to tell you simply by the existence of this podcast that that is not true. And I'm sure those things do happen, but they are not the only thing happening. College, in fact, has grown my faith exponentially more than high school. And there are people, lots of people who are serious about their relationship with Jesus and actively seeking and pursuing him. And you know what? The coolest part of all is that God is moving like all the time in a myriad of ways. And they're obvious, too. He's working in this generation. And let me tell you, it is so stinking exciting. So I hope that you'll continue on this journey with me. I can't wait for you all to see and meet some amazing people in the weeks to come. I'm just so excited to sit down with them and hear their stories. Anyway, you've made it this far. Thank you for listening. I hope that you have an incredible day. So please let me know your thoughts on this podcast. Please go follow the podcast Insta, gracefilled.podcast. And my personal account is Riley underscore Schumann 04. So I can't wait to hear your thoughts and I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful day.